Good morning and welcome back on this kickoff Sunday. It's great to have you. Congratulations for getting up an hour earlier. You were paying attention. We're grateful for that. Uh, we also welcome back our ensemble this morning. It's wonderful to have you back and Dr. Glenn DeLang as well. Lisa, of course, has been here all summer. So, uh, Following worship this morning, there is no adult spiritual formation because we have a wonderful picnic. You probably saw on the way in, our deacons are busily preparing. You'll soon smell hamburgers and hot dogs and other things as it comes into the sanctuary to entice you to stay for a little while longer after worship. We hope you'll join us for our great kickoff picnic. We have shade this year, which is a good thing on this hot Sunday, so we look forward to spending a little time with you. Uh, we ask for a $5 donation for people who are eating just to help offset the costs. Uh, Mandarin Next Step will be meeting this morning at 10.30 upstairs. Next week, the gathering returns. So our 11.15 service will return next Sunday on Labor Day weekend for those of you who enjoy that worship service experience. Tonight, middle school fellowship begins at, seven, at 6 o'clock, and Wednesday night, high school fellowship returns at 7 o'clock. And this coming Wednesday, men's breakfast begins again in Fellowship Hall, breakfast with the pastor. Uh, conversation this fall on compelling topics of current interest in the news, and this week I'll be talking a little bit more about the future challenges that churches face in the coming years. Uh, also coming up in a couple of weeks on September the 20th, our third grade Bible, uh, our third graders receive their Bible. So if you have a third grader or know of a third grader who wants to receive a Bible this year, please let us know so that we can prepare for that experience. Just contact the church office. Also in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin uh, a new program called Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. It's a program that's been around the country and a number of people have participated in it. We've got some excellent leadership from within the church here. It begins on September 13th and it runs through November 8th. You can participate either on Sunday mornings or on Monday evenings, whichever is convenient for you. It's uh, a program that teaches us how to use God's principles for saving money and using money. So if you're interested in that, please look for it and register for it. Uh, also, um, I want to report to you this morning that the father of Reverend Dr. Marilyn Manning, Edwin Goodwin, passed away last night in Ames, Iowa, 99 years old, just three months short of 100. And so I ask that you remember Marilyn Manning and her family in your prayers. Uh, she'll be going to Iowa after uh, today, and we'll join the family there. Well, as we begin our worship together, let's stand, let's give thanks, let's greet one another and pass the peace of Christ as we begin.
This is the day the Lord has made. God calls the hours His own. Let heaven rejoice, let earth be glad, and praise surround the throne. Come, let us worship the Lord together.
may be seated. As the song goes, don't put your light under a bushel. Yet so often we do. We have this bright light of Christ that lives inside each one of us all. Yet we strive for darkness. We hide our light from others. We don't shine as Jesus has taught us to shine. It's at this moment that we have a chance corporately to confess our sins. Turn to your order of worship as we say together our prayer of confession. Almighty God, you have named us and claimed us as your own, making us children of light. Yet we often live in the darkness. We settle for security and comfort, where our talents and safety tucked away, our gifts preserved but paralyzed. You call us to live by faith, investing in the world you made, exercising our gifts even at the risk of losing them. Have mercy on us, Lord. Teach us your ways. Embolden us to serve you that we might make use of the gifts you have given. Set us again on the path that leads to life, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
It's at this time that I'd like to invite all of the children to come join me in front of the communion table. And if you're an adult sitting on the center aisle, today of all days is very important to sign the friendship pad. Let us know that you're here, a change of address, something to start the new school year off right. I am excited that you are here. We have a new school year to celebrate. We have new things to learn. Your Sunday school teachers are ready for you, and the classrooms have been prepared for you. And this is a very important time for you to come forward every Sunday and get a message, a bit of a message that's made just for you. And to be honest, I think some of the people out there and back there like it a little bit too. It helps us better understand God. So I brought a few things for us today. So something that I always think of in my mind is the fact that God is love. God is so filled with love. And so I brought this to show us that God is so filled with love. So I made a heart that says God. And I'm going to put this on this water pitcher right here. I also brought myself. I chose to put myself in purple shirt and green shorts today. It's hot, right? And I'm going to put myself on this cup. It's a clear cup so we can see what gets put inside. So if I'm thinking about myself in normal everyday life, I might be a little empty, right? There might not be something inside of me, but I really want to be filled with God's love. And you know what? God does that. God fills me with love. Let's see how that happens. God's love is like water. Watch out. You guys are in the splash zone. And God's love keeps pouring and pouring and filling us up. But did you know that God's love actually overflows? It doesn't just stop there. God's love is so overflowing in us. It doesn't just fill us up to the top, does it? It fills us so that it overflows. And what do we do once we are overflowed with God's love? What do we do? We give it to others. We give it to others. And we do that through so many ways. A hug, a smile, sharing a Bible verse, inviting a friend to church, maybe donating some money, maybe donating some of our extra clothes or toys. You see, God's love fills us up. But that's only part of it. God's love overflows. And for those of you in the splash zone, you got a little piece of God's love this morning. How are we going to share that with others not only today, but later too. Let's pray before we go off to class. Thank you, Emily. When we pray, we can hold our hands like this, and we can close our eyes, and you can repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for filling us with love. Help us to remember, not just to keep that love to ourselves, not just to keep that love to ourselves, but share it with others. Share it. Help us know how to do that. Help us know how to do that. In your name we pray. Amen.
All right, let's go off to class. Let us stand and join together in the affirmation of faith. The one sufficient revelation of God is Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate, to whom the Holy Spirit bears unique and authoritative witness through the Holy Scriptures, which are received and obeyed as the Word of God written. The scriptures are not a witness among others, but the witness without parallel. The Church has received the books of the Old and New Testaments as prophetic and apostolic testimony in which it hears the Word of God and by which its faith and obedience are nourished and regulated. You may be seated. Well, what a joy it is to have our ensemble back. That was a beautiful anthem this morning and uh, got us wide awake at this early hour, Sunday morning. The uh, ensemble sings every Sunday at the gathering service. So if you like that kind of music, that's the kind of music we sing at the gathering. Next week, thankfully, our entire chancel choir returns to lead us in worship. So we uh, have a blessing of abundance. We just affirmed our faith in the words of the Confession of 67 that talks about the Scripture, a witness without parallel. So let us turn our attention to the Scripture, and let us listen for God's Word to us as it comes from the book of James this morning, the first chapter. I invite you to listen for God's Word for you. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now you must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, 
and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act. They will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. May God speak to us through this word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we do come before you at this season of new beginnings, and we give you thanks. We give you thanks for what is now past, and we thank you for the new opportunities and challenge that lie ahead. We come this morning to hear your word and to receive what you have to give us. So quiet in us any voice but your own and speak to us as only a living God can. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Perhaps you saw the recent news article that came from France about three Americans who subdued a would-be killer on a train bound for Paris. Americans are known the world over as a nation of doers. So I wonder what you've been up to this past summer. Home Depot caters to the self-improvement crowd, motivated to enhance their living spaces. To save money, the do-it-yourself crowd is often found wandering the aisles of Home Depot, usually looking for somebody to assist them. <laughs> Home Depots all over the country are filled with do-it-yourselfers. The Home De Depot advertising slogan is simple, more saving, more doing. Lowe's Hardware also caters to the do-it-yourself crowd with their slogan, Never stop improving. James, the author of the epistle of James, approaches religious faith with that same kind of practical, down-to-earth imperative to motivate us to get busy with our faith. More saving, only not the kind that saves money and puts more money in our bank account, the more saving that comes from Christ. More doing. It's not a bad slogan for a church. Never stop improving. The Christian life is meant to be one in which virtue increasingly becomes evident in the way we live and the way we act with one another and in the world. Now, over the summer, our family gathered for a family reunion in my home state of Minnesota. And after a week at the lake fishing and water skiing and riding jet skis, we gathered with all four of my siblings and my mother for dinner at my brother's house. Many of you know that over the last several years, my mother's been listed in our prayer concerns. She has Alzheimer's disease. 
And she now lives in a residential skilled nursing facility, a cottage with 11 other patients that have dementia in Minnesota. But for that night, we brought her out from her cottage and brought her to my brother's home for dinner. She's still wonderfully delightful. Her personality still bleeds through. She can still talk about whatever she's experiencing in the present moment. And every once in a while, she'll share these deep convictions and values that have been foundational for her life. But she can't remember her children or her grandchildren. She can't remember her deceased husband or friends or what she had for lunch or what outfit she wore yesterday. So she often covers her lack of memory by treating everyone with familiarity and fondly. She uses words like sweetie and honey a lot, always with a big smile. So there we are at the dinner table enjoying dinner, and before long, all the old stories from our childhood began to emerge. Those kind of stories that children and grandchildren especially like, that remind them that dad was a screw-up once in his life. And unfortunately for me, most of the stories were about me. And my brothers and sisters somehow came with this entire arsenal of them, and my kids kept goading them and asking for more. And at one point in the conversation at the dinner table, my wife Lynn turned to my mother and said, Barb, do you remember that Jeff was your most difficult child? And without hesitation, my mother said, Oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> Great. I thought to myself, my mother has Alzheimer's, and this is what she remembers? I'm her most difficult child. I wanted to say, Mom, remember, they call me Reverend O'Grady now. But before I could say anything, my mother added, but we still loved him. We still loved him. Now, I'm not sure where I would be today without that love. And I'm not sure where you would be today without that kind of love. When I was at my most unlovable, I was determined to push everybody away when I had no idea of the destructive capacity of my actions or who I was hurting in the process, I was still loved. Now we laugh about it, we tell stories, we enjoy it. Nobody enjoys it more than my kids. But at the time, nobody knew what the outcome was going to be. They just kept faith. They just kept believing that God had the future in His hands, and despite evidence to the contrary, love would overcome a child's resistance and recalcitrance and rejection, 
And sometimes the best you can absolutely do is to say we still love him. We still love her despite the reality. Now I think we have come to expect that it should be easier to live the Christian life. That maturity should come more easily and take less time. We need to have the right motivation, it seems to me. One preacher describes the challenge in terms of the difference between tourists of faith and pilgrims of faith, suggesting we've become more like tourists. Tourists only want to see the highlights. They're interested in expediency and then moving on. They're looking for shortcuts and they're impatient for results. Easily bored, tourists of faith move on to the next interesting speaker or the idea. They're in constant search for someone who can feed them spiritually. And they never really develop a sense of their own agency, their own ability to feed themselves and to collaborate in their own spiritual growth. I think there's evidence for a tourist kind of faith in the number of people who claim to be followers of Jesus but show no evidence of any Christian discipleship. We're often more attracted by novelty than we are by virtue. Christian virtues and mature faith take time and constant effort to develop. We're challenged in faith to deepen our experience of worship and service, and we're called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. Be doers, not merely hearers who deceive themselves, writes James. James comes from this school of thought that maintains that actions actually speak louder than words. You want to know what people are really like? Look at what they do, not at what they say. We certainly are going to hear plenty of that kind of analysis between now and the election. The candidates for president will certainly have much to say in coming months, but their actions always speak louder than their words. I think in American culture, we just seem to think everything should come easily and quickly. Our national reluctance to cultivate virtues may be one of the biggest problems our country is facing. Honesty and integrity, living within our means and saving, caring for others, dealing with our anger, the acquisitions of faith, hope, and love. In an on-demand world, we expect things to come easily. Now, faith is always dependent first and foremost on God's activity in Christ in our lives. The gift that makes us whole, often known as justification, also demands a response from us. It's anticipated, it's necessary, it's called sanctification. What we believe, believe, what we believe and how we live are two sides of the same coin. Now over the summer I've had a chance to read 
David Brooks' new book. He's a New York Times award-winning author. And his new book entitled The Road to Character was published this year. Here's how the book begins. Recently, I've been thinking about the difference between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. The resume virtues are the ones you list on your resume, the skills that you bring to the job market and then contribute to your external success. The eulogy virtues are deeper. They're the virtues that get talked about at your funeral, the ones that exist at the core of your being, whether you're kind, brave, honest, or faithful, what kind of relationships you formed. He goes on to describe what he calls his discovery of a kind of older moral ecology. He calls it an intellectual and a cultural tradition, the crooked timber tradition, that emphasizes our own brokenness. It was a tradition, he writes, that demanded humility in the face of our own limitations. But it was also a tradition that held that each of us has the power to confront our own weaknesses, to tackle our own sins, and that in the course of this confrontation with ourselves, we build character. By successfully confronting sin and weakness, we have the chance to play our role in a great moral drama. We can shoot for something higher than happiness. We have a chance to take advantage of everyday occasions to build virtue in ourselves and to be of service to the world. End quote. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of kickoff Sunday, I want somehow to begin again to participate in that adventure. To take advantage of everyday occasions that exist in our lives to shoot for something higher than happiness. To play a role in this great moral drama of our time. You see, James is saying something like that. Just keep faith each day in the seemingly trivial circumstances of your life because God is at work in you building the eulogy virtues. When you confront your sins and your weaknesses, the crooked timber that we are, you become useful for the building up. The building up of the kingdom of God and you'll never know Who's watching you? And in whom virtues are beginning to develop? So these next few weeks, the theme of our series in the book of James is just keep faith. And we're going to look at some practical advice from the book of James. It reads a little bit like the Proverbs do. Kind of like 
the advice a parent will give a child when they go off to their freshman year in college. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, writes the Proverbs. But the companion of fools suffers. A child who gathers in the summer is prudent, but a child who sleeps in the harvest or during exams <laughs> brings shame. You see, occasionally a little practical advice is just what's needed to provide motivation. You don't have to be a professor of physiology to know how to exercise. You don't have to be a theologian to grow in your faith or to nurture the development of these virtues in Christian discipleship. Mark Twain put it this way, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Calvin Coolidge put it this way, we cannot do everything at once, but we can do something at once. Good practical advice from two historical figures. What are you prepared to jumpstart in your life to build those kind of eulogy virtues? Come to church more frequently, pray more regularly, join a small group or a Bible study or a book club or participate in the mission and the outreach of the church, join in some of the adventures that we take to help those in need like at Union Station or La Casa. Whatever vision you have for your life, the vision must be followed by the venture of it. It's not enough to stare up the steps. We must step up the stairs, said Vance Havner. Now Martin Luther called James the epistle of straw, and he actually wanted it removed from the canon of Scripture like the other apocryphal books because it doesn't actually have much to say about Jesus Christ. And ever since the Protestant Reformation, Protestants have been a little suspicious of this book of James. It seems to run counter to the Apostle Paul's conviction that we are saved by grace through faith alone and not by what we do. James writes, Faith without works is dead. But you see, in baptism, God's grace and our response are present. When we receive Holy Communion, the Lord feeds us and we receive that which nourishes us within. And the mystery of faith always includes both God's grace and our response. Faith leads to action. So just keep faith. And join us this fall as we get practical and join in the great moral drama of human history, turning the crooked timber of our lives into the building material for the kingdom of God. More saving, more doing. Never stop improving. Thanks be to God. Amen.
In this sweet hour of prayer, let us turn our hearts and minds to God in prayer. O oh God, you drape our shoulders with a mantle of your protection. We give you thanks for the countless ways you care for creation. Through our Savior, Jesus Christ, you have cast away doubt and fear even of death itself and loosen the chains of our ultimate bondage. We give thanks for your spirit who dwells within us and around us and surrounds us with the truth as we pursue the way of your heavenly kingdom. We are thankful for Christ who has opened the portals of heaven and enables us daily to catch a glimpse of your glory. Through Christ's sacrifice once and for all, he delivered us from striving after our own righteousness. We give thanks that by his grace, he invites us to partake of the fruits of your mercy. As baptism is a sign of cleansing, help us to walk daily in newness of life. We are thankful for our companions in this pilgrimage of faith for thinkers who ponder your mysteries and point to new boundaries of truth and understanding, for doers of the word who press on with ceaseless energy to fulfill the kingdom's goals, and for healers who translate the compassion of Christ into acts of human renewal and restoration. All these prepare the way for us as we journey to your new day. Eternal God, we rejoice this morning in the gift of life, which we have received by your grace and the new life you give in Jesus Christ. Especially, we thank you for the birth of little Nicole Samantha Cornell. May she grow in faith, knowing Jesus and his love. We thank you for the love of our families and the affection of our friends and for this community in which we live and worship. And we thank you for opportunities to give as we have received. O oh God of grace, we now offer to you our prayers for the needs of others and commit ourselves to serve them as we have been served in Jesus Christ. Especially we pray for the leaders of our world. Help them to discern and follow your will and your way as they govern. We pray for peace and international harmony among all people, and for the people in countries that are ravaged by strife or warfare, for orphans and widows, for refugees seeking new life in foreign lands, and for the countries who are overwhelmed by their arrival. We pray for the people of Malawi who are facing a catastrophic famine. Help us to help them in their time of need. We pray also for those closest to us, our families, friends, and neighbors, for those isolated by sickness or sorrow and those who are hospitalized. May your healing touch be with each of them. We pray that by your compassion, you will comfort all who grieve, sustain the lonely, give hope to the despairing, and Fill the faint-hearted with courage. Help them to know that you are ever-present in their time of need. 
And may they see your love in the light of Christ in their lives. And now, in a moment of silence, we bring to you our personal prayers. Hear our prayers, O Lord, and grant us your peace as we continue to pray together the prayer our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Every time we gather for worship, we have a chance to get practical and to put our money where our mouth is. And so we receive our offerings, our gifts, and our tithes. And we get to participate in what God is doing in the world. So let us participate generously as our ushers come forward and we receive this morning's offering.
Lord God, giver of all good things, and by whose providence it is that we live, and by whose grace we hold possessions, every good gift comes from above. So out of thankful hearts for all your goodness to us, we voice our vows of praise and offer gifts to you. Accept what we bring here in love, our Lord, with thanks for the many gifts, and make us good stewards of both life and wealth, which we hold equally at your disposal. May these gifts bring glory to your name and honor to Christ our Lord, for we pray for his name's sake. Amen. to follow our benediction, I just have a few uh, instructions for you. The layout, everything for adults is in the courtyard, and everything for children and their parents is in the lower courtyard in the fun zone, including a photo booth down there. There's a popcorn machine, and the entrance to the lower courtyard is between the office and fellowship hall. We're serving a build-your-own beef or veggie burgers and hot dogs today. There are three drink stations, water, lemonade, iced tea, and uh, two up in the upper courtyard and one down in the fun zone. So have fun. <laughs> and I look forward to greeting you there. Now receive the benediction. And now to him who by His power within us is able to do infinitely more than we even dare ask or imagine. To Jesus Christ our Lord, be honor and glory, dominion and power, 
now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.